0: How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside. Yankees pitchers and catchers have reported spring training is ever more closer. Just a couple days away, and we're getting some really good news and nuggets out of camp right now already. Obviously, Nestor has the injury there was a prominent one that we discussed a couple days ago, the hamstring injury, um, that is. But I'm excited. This is, this is an opportunity for some young guys to really put their names on the scene and showcase their talents. You know, we were just discussing Randy Vasquez just a second ago with Ryan. Um, and ultimately, this is going to be a really fun spring training to see who kind of rises to the occasion and, uh, you know, exceeds expectations for the most part. We have some really exciting stuff to talk about. First and foremost, Nestor Cortez. But before we do, Ryan, how you do today, my friend? I'm
1: doing great. You know, uh, definitely looking at the Nestor news is a huge positive, right? I mean, not saying that I was ever too concerned, like, ah, oh, damn it, Nestor's is like out of the picture, right? But considering the Montas news, I feel like you're more... You're a little more sensitive to starting pitching news. Anyone getting a little banged up, a little soreness, you're going to start getting concerned, especially considering, you know, I talked about this with Chris Kirshner uh, when he came on the show. Uh, the Yankees have a pretty high injury percentile for the rotation. You know, Cyrus did an article for the Athletic detailing kind of how the Yankees rotation, you know, the question marks with the Yankees. There are some in the lineup, but the big question mark is the health of the rotation. There's a wide distribution uh, of results for innings pitched. And Frankie Montas is one of the bigger injury risks, and that one panned out in negative, right? You know, the guy's already getting soldier, sh- shoulder surgery. So um, seeing Nestor throwing him off the mound is great. Um, you know, uh, I, I was telling this to you before the show, we were talking about this. Uh, I, I Quite frankly, the Yankees just, just take it as carefully as possible, Nestor. Um, I care that these guys are prepared for opening day. I care that these guys are here on opening day. And then we talk about the middle of the season. You know, I know people already talk about load management with these pitchers, right? Um, I know that that's a term that in the NBA is kind of like frowned upon pitchers, man, you you gotta, you've got, we're gonna be able to, we're gonna have to be able to load manage and not in like some crazy uh, abnormal way. The same way the Yankees did it last year, right? You know, the Yankees let J.P. Sears get some starts and and he pitched pretty well. Uh, Luis Heal prior to his injury was involved in that and, uh, you know, they have young guys. You mentioned Randy Vasquez. He confirmed to me he is throwing a cutter, man. He threw one last year. I think that's an important pitch for him to throw. You know, we talk about guys with a ton of movement, you know, super sweeping slider. I mean, he's got 20 inches of horizontal break there. 18 inches of glove of arms side run, so think going the other direction on a changeup. That's 38 inches of horizontal separation batters don't swing at pitches that have a lot of uh, movement typically compared to pitches that don't have a lot of movement so people tend to throw a cutter because it's closer to zero inches of horizontal break it's not as much of a big moving pitch so you generate more swings that's something Nestor worked on Nestor's cutter is there so you can throw it in the zone and get guys to swing unfortunately for batters they tend to miss at those uh so it's not a fun time for batters you get a lot of weaker contact so you know the Yankees have kind of adopted more of a cutter based mentality have a lot of really good pitchers throwing cutters um, I I would hope for that either to continue to take a step forward this year or just kind of uh, keep it at the way it's been I think cutters are a really uh, good pitch for guys to throw uh, for that reason but you know getting your pitching intact in, in here is going to be key you know I can't wait to get updates on what guys have been working on over the offseason mentioning Chris Kirshner again he did an article on Tommy Canley over the offseason where he interviewed him and Canley revealed he's working on a two-seam kind of sinker fastball right I think that's going to be a great addition to his uh, pitch mix right considering it's going to give him more contact management um, so it'll be fun to see what guys have been working on all offseason and I am but I I'm am chomping at the bit for spring training games for some of that spring training data man and getting some guys that we he just, we haven't seen pitch at the major league level. Um, we're going to get to see them in a more involved role in spring training. You mentioned Randy Vasquez. I think he threw like 10 pitches in the spring training last year, right? Uh, with the major league team, definitely pitch a lot more at the minor league team uh, or like the minor league spring training camps. I want to see it, man. Jason Dominguez. I want to see these guys. I want to see what they can do. I know everyone's talking about Anthony Volpe in the winning the shortstop battle. Anthony, Anthony Boone, Aaron Boone gave an interesting quote, kind of talking about how Volpe, you know, there's, a, there's that possibility. That if they feel like he's the best option, he'll win it. You can say it's just media talk, but I'm starting to believe that they actually feel that way. The door is still a little bit open, though. Peraza looks like the favorite. Seeing how he looks, man, he's gonna. They also mentioned he's gonna be playing positions outside of shortstop. Some guys are gonna be playing some second, some third. Um, that'll definitely be interesting. Kind of see how Volpe fits best, and kind of see how he fits into the equation here. He revealed Josh Donaldson's the third baseman, and you know that that's gonna be news, but. End of the day, I think we're looking at this infield, we're looking at this team, and it's like there's a lot of just like you just want to see these guys in action now.
0: Yes, I certainly want to see a lot of these guys in action. Anthony Volpe is I'd say like as you mentioned, the door is open, it's cracked open. There's a chance for him to showcase what he can do, but you know, like as you mentioned Peraza has the leg up, the advantage right now. But you did mention a relief pitcher who I wanted to discuss. I also want to discuss Ron Marinaccio. These guys are trending in the right direction. Luis Hill as well. So Marinaccio and Hill both coming off of injuries. Obviously, Hill's a little bit more serious with the Tommy John surgery. But some good quotes from you guys. So Brian Hoke of MLB.com said regarding Ron Marinaccio uh, that he's scheduled to face hitters next week. He has thrown from the mound five times and expects to be ready for opening day. He had that shin injury late in the season last year. He's been kind of dealing with that. So really good news on the Marinaccio front and really what he can provide moving forward. He's one of our young guns. He can feature in high leverage scenarios. We love uh, Ron. So this is a player that expectations are high he can exceed them uh was tremendous last year over a pretty sizable sample size so I do like him uh to become a pretty prominent arm in the bullpen now Luis Hill flamethrower averaged out at 97 miles an hour last year on his fastball before going down did not have a much of a sample size of just four innings but he's got some really good stuff he's only 24 years old 33 innings of action to his name uh this is a player who you know of course the Tommy John injury will keep him out for a couple more weeks I would say The exact quote from Marley Rivera of ESPN is Luis Hill has been throwing from over 100 feet for a little while, hopes to throw his first bullpen since Tommy John early in spring, but there is no date set on the schedule as of yet. So he still has a ways to go before he can feature in a regular season game, but we might be able to get him back in the midway point, which I think would be ideal because this team always seems to pick up injuries in the bullpen. Of course, you have Michael King fighting his way back. He's expected to be ready for opening day, but Hill is a really good young player who I know you're really high on as well. So he actually could end up being like, just a better version of Albert Abreu, a little bit more command. Um, whereas Abreu has had issues in that department, but does have the flame throwing kind of velocity that I know Ryan, you do like. But having pairing it with command is certainly an, a good thing. So, you know, tell me a little bit about your expectations for Ron Marinaccio, and of course, Luis Hill. What you think he can provide this team when he does make that return from Tommy John surgery and rehabilitates, and obviously is one hundred percent and ready to go this season?
1: Yeah, Ron Marinaccio, I, I look at as. He. This is a year for him. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's one of the three best relievers in this bullpen next year, not because uh, this year, not because guys regress or right? anything. That regression is normal. Some guys are going to take steps back, right? You can't expect all eight of your guys to pitch the back of their baseball card in a positive way or take steps forward, right? That's Look at Jonathan Loaizaga last year. There was no indication that Jonathan Loaizaga was going to struggle as badly as he did for the first half of the year, and, and he still did, right? His stuff still looked great, but he just wasn't him, right? Uh, and that happens sometimes. Clay Holmes kind of just uh, went on a little bit of a cold streak. He lost his command, and then the postseason, he suddenly is all the way back. Things, Relievers are weird people, man. They're a weird group. They're really hard to project. It's a really small sample size, but Juan Marinasio has, as you mentioned, he just has ridiculous stuff. The four-seam fastball in the chain, up the vertical separation, there is unbelievable. The release point uh, on the four seam fastball makes it really hard to pick up because he delivers at a lower uh, vertical approach angle. Lower vertical approach angles tend to deceive hitters because they intend that, that they, they perceive that pitch as one that's supposed to drop a lot more. It doesn't, so it kind of catches up on them. That flat angle makes it hard to generate uh, a good swing against. So, batters are going to struggle against Ron Marnasio to generate consistently quality contact. You can see that in the line drive weight rates, you can see in the barrel rates. He's going to get a lot of strikeouts. Yes, he's going to walk guys, but end of the day, he's going to have a low ERA if things go to plan, right? Um, I think he's nasty. I think he has some of the best stuff in this bullpen. So very excited to see him in a larger role this year. Uh, it's unfortunate he didn't make the postseason roster because of injury. Um, it, it really is because I think he would have played a big role there. Uh, and then as for Luis Heal, Luis Heel, I mean, I think people forget how talented that dude was. That dude was really, really, really talented. Uh, even, you know, I don't think that he was, I think it, it was a little bit. The command made it hard for you to say he was definitely going to be a starter. But as a reliever, man, as a bullpen arm, that dude can be very good. Um, his four-seam fastball, obviously, it's blistering. It's got great uh, riding action. It's a pretty. It's not just a pretty good pitch. It's a really good pitch. The slider is gross. The slider is legitimately incredible. Um, you know, it, it's hard for me to look at him and not say this dude is really, really talented. This kid could come at, back, and, as you mentioned, You never know what injuries you're gonna have. You never know when something's gonna go wrong. You never know when you're gonna need a spot start here or there. You know we saw the Yankees use Herman. Herman was out for the first half of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Then he comes back and he fills in a rotation spot. Not saying that that's what Luis Seals gonna do, but let's say the Yankees trade a reliever. Let's say that you know you never you never know what the Yankees are gonna do in the deadline. You never know how the Yankees are gonna do operate at the deadline. You don't know what your needs are gonna be. You don't know what guys you come what prices you get for different guys in your bullpen. If a team's offering you, you know, uh, if you need to move some money around and a team's offering you a prospect for Lou Trevino, you take that deal. If it means you can open up the option to get a different guy at the deadline, like a left fielder, right? Um, Not saying that the Yankees should be operating on a budget, but it's the Steve Cohen tax. That's that's not a threshold they're going to break. That's just not, right? They're not doing that right now. Maybe they do that next year. But from what we know with this team, they're not doing it this year. and They're not going to do it for a left fielder at the deadline, right? Uh, you know, Jock Peterson's awesome. If the Giants aren't good, he'll be available. Um, Jock Peterson's not Juan Soto, right? Like you're not you're not paying th- that luxury tax increases more than just the money you're getting in that deal. Um, so uh, Luis Hill would be someone you just slot in the back end there, maybe, and say, all right, bud, we lost the reliever. Let's fill feel- you're on the 40 man already, so let's just put you in the major league bullpen, throw a couple of nice innings for us. You know, be some long relief. And if he dazzles, man, I mean, the Yankees are really good at developing uh, young pitchers into at least bullpen roles. Starting pitching has been a little different just because the Yankees really don't have many openings in the rotation. It feels like this is kind of the first time in a while that they're going to have an open competition for the fifth starter job. Even going into last year, I mean, did we think Domingo Herman was going to beat Nestor for that job? He got hurt. Do we think Clark Schmidt was going to be beating Nestor for that job? Hell no. So, uh, quite frankly, the Yankees have kind of always gone through the trade market or free agency to get their starting pitching and then gone to their minor leagues for bullpen help or uh, lineups. That should be changing over the next coming years. You mentioned Randy Vasquez. Uh, Luis Hill could be a factor in that. Um, I-, I don't think that Luis Hill will be a starter just because injuries and just kind of like everything that's gone on there. But as a reliever, he could be very, very good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think as a reliever, he can make an impact. And you kind of referenced the number five starter thing. And I do want to mention Garrett Cole coming out and advocating pretty blatantly for Clark Schmidt, which I thought was pretty cool. He was like, "Schmidt is my dog." Um, he did say we have some other good supplementary options, and that Domingo Herman has done some good stuff for the Yankees. But it was clear, like he's like Clark Schmidt's the guy. He's my guy. What do you think about that? Because I find that to be pretty obvious that Sh- that Cole wants Schmidt to win that job now. Herman can be a good like mid innings. Just he can eat eat them in the out of the bullpen a lot. Kind of a long inning type of relief pitcher. But Schmidt can be used in a different different uh, a number of ways. Whether it be as a closer, whether it be as kind of a middle uh, kind of eating innings, just like Herman would. He can come in in relief uh, for an inning or two. You know he can do a lot of different things for this team and supplement a lot of things, but. We know who has the most upside. Schmidt has the most upside. Herman has the most experience. So what do you go with here? Do you go with experience, or do you kind of stick uh, with Cole here and say you go with upside? You go with a guy that really could actually end up being a good starting pitcher at the back end of the rotation
1: for us for maybe the foreseeable future. Yeah, Clark Schmidt, um, I- I've talked about his upside for a while. Clark Schmidt is someone who, quite frankly, his stuff is just really, really good, right? His slider and curveball are uh, – incredible pitches. They are they are elite pitches. They are top of the line. Those are two pitches right there that um Herman's got the curveball, but that pitch isn't great about as well as Schmidt does. Schmidt is a guy who can outstuff you with those two. He can he can throw a slider in a poor location and still get a swing and a miss, which I think is important to kind of mention here. Herman can't throw a changeup over the heart of the plate and get away with it, right? That that's just that ha- like stuff guys can just be a little less. Not that they can be all over the place, but they could be a little less careful, a little less fine. They just have to, you know, take a really good pitch and miss off of the middle of the zone. That's really all you have to do. Um, and, you know, his fastballs aren't great. That's That's been detailed before. But Herman's fastballs are also pitches that get crushed pretty frequently. So we have two guys here at poor fastballs. I think Schmidt still has upside to have a good sinker. He throws it pretty hard. You feel like you just have to get a little bit more run on it, or maybe it's better to command or whatever it may be. Um, But I I genuinely feel like there's more upside in his sinker than there is in Hermann's. Um, I I just look at Clark Schmidt, and I I, I see a guy who, you know, I, I think Hermann's clearly not a bad pitcher. Um, but if Herman's good again, I, I've, I think I've said this on the podcast before. Maybe not. If Herman's good, you you can trade him, sure, but you're you're not gonna be getting, you're not dealing him in like a Brian Reynolds package. Why would the Pirates want a guy with a year and a half control? If Clark Schmidt is, you know, pretty good, and, and you can trade him and just in a position player and then a couple scraps right for Brian Reynolds, he's good. He's a, he's been a good starting pitcher, let's say, right? And, and Brian Reynolds is available. They lowered the price, and, and he helps close the gap in price. How can you? I mean, how could you say no to that, right? You know, like, that's the upside there. And, or, or, you know, Severino and Montas are both free agents. Now, we can argue about maybe, you know, bringing Severino back or maybe bringing Montas back in a super cheap deal and just do it as a flyer, like when the Yankees brought in Kluber, whatever it may be. Um, if the Yankees just want to make sure they have a, wanna, you know, they have Rodon, they have Cole, they have Nestor who are locked down for at least the next two years. If you want to have, say, you know what, we also have Schmidt, who's going to be here for the next two. So you have four of your rotation spots. You know they're going to be here for the next two years. Um, that's that's massive as well, right? Uh, knowing what you have going forward is really important. This team has two starting pitching free agents, right? That that's important, right? Uh, so Herman has a year of control this. You don't know where he goes in a year, right? He's in arbitration. You can move him for if you need to move salary, right? Schmidt is still really cheap. He's not hitting arbitration. The way I look at things with Schmidt is that the upside, the expected, the, the you know, you're looking at expected value for the team going forward. Schmidt's upside so much higher. The, the, the avenues you can take going forward are so much higher. you, um, and end of the day, you know, your fifth starter is not the guy you throw in a postseason series. You just move Schmidt back into the bullpen uh, come postseason time. So you're not talking about, oh, man, you got to start him in the playoffs. Without the playoffs, you're not worried about that. Because if things go to plan, he's not starting in the postseason.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, this is a pretty deep team. But as you said kind of earlier in the episode, the starting rotation has a little bit of an injury concern problem. The And it's mainly because I feel as though... There are inning caps to a lot of our starters, right? Carlos Rodone pitched a career high 178 innings this past season. That's the most since maybe like five or six years ago. He had like 168 or something like that, maybe in the 160s. Um, of course, Luis Severino only pitched 100 innings last year. You know, Montas is already out for the whole season. Domingo Herman only pitched 72 innings. Like, this is a team that they're going to have to supplement a lot of kind of starters in there. I wouldn't be surprised if they leveraged Glaber Torres for a starting pitcher, to be quite honest. Maybe like pair Domingo Herman and, and Glaber for a starting pitcher. Instead of a left fielder, because it seems, I mean, look at this quote from Aaron Boone definitely concerns me about what he sees Glaber Torres' role being this upcoming season. He said, Yeah, but obviously we have a lot of infielders. I expect him to be in an everyday-ish role. Like, what does that even mean? That's so vague. If he was like a hundred percent committed to Glaber being an everyday player, he'd be like, Yeah, Glaber Torres is our studying second baseman. There's nothing to talk about here. That's it. Instead, he goes everyday-ish role. Like what like what even does that mean? So in my opinion, it sounds like the Yankees have some sort of ulterior motive going on with Glaber here, whether they're going to trade him, move him for another piece. You know, what, what does that quote mean to you? Because to me, it definitely was a little bit sketchy, and it said to me that they're not 100% convinced he's going to be on this team long term or even an everyday role, which he's a top five hitter on this team. You know, how do you leave him out of the equation unless you're trading him?
1: Yeah, it feels like there's kind of that aspect of leaving the door open, right? Just kind of, you know, not not saying that, you know, the Yankees are going to trade Glaber tomorrow, right? I don't think that's what either of us are implying, uh, but that there's that, like, you know, that like not fully, not fully certain, not 100% sure. Uh, and I'm not saying Aaron Boone's at fault for not being 100% certain. You know, end of the day, he's, he know, like he, he's a part of the organization. He kind of knows which guys are a little bit more available on the trade market and who's not, you know, I imagine if the quote was about ICAF, you know, what's ICAF's role? Like, we'll figure it out as, as spring training goes. It'd probably be something along those lines, right? You know, and there's a reason for that, right? Um, I, I think Glaber's on this team on opening day. I think that Glaber gets to at least a deadline, but as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of different things to do with Glaber that you could do at the deadline. If Volpe is really playing well, do you move it, Glaber, right? Um, you know, do you move him for a more of a controllable left fielder, right? Maybe that becomes available. Who knows? Um, do you move Glaber for, as you mentioned, a starting pitcher if you want to go out and get like and just go all out with a really good rotation? Um, not that this rotation is really good, but you can just kind of like that super, super rotation, you know, uh, all time great type stuff. But again, you'd be acquiring like your fifth starter. So it's a little bit weird. And. Um, or, or Gleyber Torres is still part of your team. But as you mentioned, everyday-ish role, right? You know, postseason, you could, I, I've mentioned, you know, DH when put Stanton left field. You can't do that every day in the regular season if Volpe's up here. So I imagine it'd be more of a rotating role. He kind of fit, you know, he said LeMayhew's the rover, Um I kind of would see, I don't see it as like a terrible thing, but that's kind of how I would view Glaber, where it's like you kind of just play him every now, not every now and then, but you play him often, it's just not every day, and he's not a starter on the depth chart, which, you know, is more of a, at this point, kind of feels like a, a, a title and not as much of an indict, a, a indiction, uh, or a, a indication of your playing time. At, at the end of the day, you know, the Yankees, the Yankees had an infield issue last year in terms of like depth, where they had too many guys and not enough people, they had too many players, and not enough positions to play them. And Dalton, LeMayhew, and Glaber still played a bunch. So um, I- I'm convinced this team is still going to get Glaber the playing time he needs. They just got to get creative with it. So an everyday ish role might be that creative avenue to take in order to get these guys all. Uh, comfortable in the lineup, you know. I know people don't like Donaldson, but you know he's here. You ha- you know you have to figure out what you have with him, right? We can't say, all right, just sit on the bench and don't touch the field, right? You know that's that's unreasonable. You know that you're not going to carry a guy on your roster to do nothing. They're going to figure out what they have in him. They're going to play him. They're going to get him in the lineup. They want to know what they have in DJ. They want to know what they have in going and get these guys in the lineup. And we're going to have to figure out who's the best options going forward, and then make movements, uh, make moves, and make decisions based off that.
0: Absolutely. Well, to finish this episode up, it seems like Nestor Cortez is actually thrown off the bullpen right now, which is pretty damn impressive since he had a two-week kind of, uh, I guess, timetable for recovery here. But he's already pitching off the bullpen today. So uh, pitching on the bullpen today. So this is awesome. Great injury news regarding Nestor. Um, Tommy Canley was also getting some action in there uh, via P Caldera, I believe, had a video on Twitter. So you can go check that out. Um, but obviously, every day, guys, we got you guys covered with all the updates and news. One place – all you got to come to is here, and we're going to get you guys all the information you need to get ready for this 2023 regular season and div- and kind of digest all of the different position battles and stuff that's going on right now in, in, in just pitchers and catches reporting. A lot of news coming out as we watch Anthony Volpe, as we watch Oswaldo Cabrera, as we watch Aaron Hicks. There's going to be a lot of narratives and storylines coming out. And of course, we will be here to break it down for you in the best way possible using the numbers, the analytics, and obviously our gut feeling, which I think people appreciate just having a healthy blend of it all. So, Much love for tuning into the latest Fireside Yankees episode. For more of this great stuff, make sure to like and subscribe, as always, for the daily content. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.